Hi, and welcome to episode 44 of Be The Drop, a weekly podcast that helps you unlock your storytelling superpower. I'm Amelia Ville, small business owner and storytelling superhero. Yes, that's right, storytelling superhero. Here at Narrative Marketing, we absolutely believe in the power of telling stories, not only to learn and connect, but also to build business relationships and drive sales. On the podcast, I interview a range of storytelling superheroes from all industries and not-for-profits to deliver you strategies that build communication to drive action. Today, I'm talking with Adelaide Theatre aficionado, Ross Vosfatikas, a man of many talents, card game inventor, app creator, and director of production company, Adapt Enterprises. He is an expert at multitasking. Ross is extremely passionate about local creative arts and supporting Adelaide's community of artists and performers. In today's episode of Be The Drop, Ross talks about living your passion, the power of stories to connect people, he reveals what makes live events so unique, and we even discuss smashing watermelons on your head. This is Ross's version of Be The Drop. Hi, Ross. Thank you so much for joining me in our next episode of Be The Drop. We're here in the Blue Bee Room, keeping us nice and cosy, and it's very exciting to have you here. Thanks for having me. Now, I see that you've brought along your item of significance, and that's something that connects you with your community and tells us a little bit of a story about yourself. So maybe you could take that away for us. My item is Eat It, the card game. Mm -hmm. It's a card game that I invented. Um, Sort of been a bit of a passion project for me for me for about 10 years. Yep. Basically it's a normal deck of cards, and uh, which is 52 cards. And then you add eight special cards to the deck. Oh, I'm opening it. Um, <laughs> which makes 60 cards. And you add these um, special, super specials to the deck. Ooh. Where they are. Oh. Can I see the super special? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. So you add them to the deck and it becomes 60 cards. Yep. And then you play Eat It. Great. Yeah. So, why the card game then? Just love cards. Grew up playing cards. Mm-hmm. Love games in general. And um, yeah, this is like a musical themed deck. There's another deck as well. This is politically themed. Mm. And yeah, so like, you know, the box is like a little amp. Also have an app um, that people can download if they're intrigued by Eat at the Card Game, a free app on uh, Google Play. Yeah. So you actually do all the drawings on the, on the decks as well? No, I commission artists to mm-hmm. do the artwork, um, local artists. So the artist for the music deck of cards is James Fosdyke, who some people may have heard of. And the artist for this one who does a lot of my other artwork is my friend David Waldy. Yeah, great. You, I know that you've also got other areas. So you've got your company's called Adapt. That's right. Now. And there's two areas to that. The card game is one side, what's on the other? So Adapt Enterprises is also a production company. So mm-hmm. I do live performancey kind of stuff. So that includes producing live comedy variety shows and theatre shows throughout mm-hmm. the year, uh, also during Fringe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've got a few gigs that I, that I run throughout the year. Yeah, and I know that one of them is the, the comedy at the Cranker. Yeah, so Cranker comedy, yeah, yeah. yeah. So And you've been doing that for a while now. Yep, six years. Yeah. So it runs first and third Tuesday of the month, and it's a free comedy gig. So 
We run it free entry via donation to make it accessible for people. And we have emerging and established Adelaide comedians. Mm. And yeah, come along. It's got over 10 comedians on the lineup, and yep. it's normally a really fun night. Yeah. So, okay, so you've got a few different interests there. And I mean, so comedy is one of them. Yep. Marathon is a show that you're currently working on at the moment. Yeah, so that's a theatre show um, that's about to be staged at the Bakehouse Theatre. Mm-hmm. So I do theatre as well, a bit more serious, do comedy as well, a bit more lighthearted. Yeah, but so they're, they're quite, you know, time-consuming sorts of things that, that you're working on. Yeah. You know, that's doing live theatre. How long did you say you've been, pra- like, performing for we've rehearsing? Been re- yeah, we've been rehearsing Marathon for about five months. Yeah. Yeah, it is sort of an exercise in multitasking. I guess what keeps me going is that I'm passionate about it. I love producing the shows. I like performing in the shows. And so if you love doing what you're doing then you then you keep doing it it's not it's it's a joy to do it yeah so it's very much what I'm also getting is something that you're very passionate about local and creative arts you know is that something that's really important to you as well Adelaide is an awesome place and we have so many talented people here and all it takes is people like you and to connect the dots so you know connections can be made and so we can make not just the arts, but all industries more sustainable. Not just during the fringe, but throughout the whole year. For art to truly thrive um, in this city, we need it to sort of be like that the whole year round. Mm, mm. That's the challenge. Yeah. And, and so, you know, for art to thrive, I assume there's probably a few challenges. Do you think that's one of the biggest ones? What other challenges are you facing you know, in this creative space? It is a bit like a mini marathon, like you just have to persist mm. and you just have to keep plugging away at it. There's no, like you can run a good, good gig, but then you have another gig to run and you, need, and you need to run that just as well and just as successful. Mm. You might run 10 successful shows in a row. It doesn't mean the next one's going to be successful. So you still need to work hard and, and put the same amount of effort in mm. and give the audience hopefully something entertaining and engaging. How do you translate that into then sustainable things? So how do you then go on and, and get the, the marathon, for example, as a play? You know, there's a quite a bit of expense in putting on these things. So how do you go about getting funding and getting people involved to do these shows? I'm basically a one-man operation, um, but occasionally I will, you know, get a little bit uh, of private or public uh, sponsorship. Mm. Like for example, uh, the French show I did this year was talk- called Two Greek Australians Walk Into a Bar. It's a musical comedy show and is also part of a festival called Festival Hellenica, which is um, a local festival celebrating Greek culture. So my background's Greek. So we have a, had a little bit of funding from them. So that show, Two Greek Australians, was part of not only the Adelaide Fringe 2017, but it was also part of Festival Hellenica 2017. And that was quite successful, and now we're taking it to Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Some of your performances or some of the shows are paid and some of them are free. What is it that you think motivates people to actually pay to come along to the shows? And, you know, is there a central thing that you think helps that? I think if someone wants to see the show, they're going to come to see the show regardless. Mm. So whether it's free or paid... So I think it's actually more a time issue because people, there's so many distractions. Mm. It's more about having the time to Mm. go out and see the show. 
Then the fact whether it's paid or not, I think, is a side issue. And for them, for you know, if you're a student or if you're struggling, mm. then the payment can come in there yeah. as an issue. But I think, yeah, it's more about having the time and the desire to want to go and see it. With the free shows, don't forget, we're running them via donation. So it's sort of pay what you think. So you, instead of paying up front, you kind of pay at the end. Um, so it is, it's not, you know, it's not a flat fee, it's pay what you think. So then some people, you know, will leave five or $10, other people might leave nothing. But yeah, we're still trying to acknowledge the artist and, and, and reward the artist too. Mm. Yeah. And how do you go about communicating the different things that you're doing? You know, are, is there a, quite a different audience between comedy and theatre? Or do you have, find you've got a crossover? Probably is minimal crossover in terms of the arts, like the, the art scene here is maybe more connected than a bigger city, but I don't know, that's debatable. Um, so for instance, maybe in a bigger city, the musicians maybe stick more to themselves or the comedians, but here there's maybe a little bit more crossover. Mm. Uh, I find maybe the, the comedy audience is a bit younger. So the demographic might be sort of, you know, 20 to 35, whereas theatre audiences is generally a little bit older. Um, so probably, yeah, 30, to 50. Mm. Are you using the same platforms to communicate with them? How are you communicating with these audiences? So mainly online, so social media, Facebook, um, friends and family, you know, you still got to, it's grassroots kind of stuff, flyering, handing out flyers, doing some cross promo. Um, because some of the gigs are free, um, there isn't that much money that you can devote to promotion so you also rely on word of mouth mm. for the theatre stuff because that's charged there's a little bit more um, of an expense or a budget devoted to that mm. um, but yeah basically it's sort of grassroots word of mouth flyering social media that kind of stuff mm. and do you think that the the word of mouth really comes from people who've been to the event or is it the performers themselves like what's really helping spread your message it's both so you know Hopefully performers will come along as audience members too and support the gig and bring a friend and then their friend is like, oh, I never knew this existed and then they like it and then it just, it works like that. Mm. For one person, it might be one of those things that is um, sufficient to get them, to inform them about the show. For another person, they might need two or three triggers. I've heard a marketing theory that you need to engage someone seven times before they'll, you know, commit to it so I'm not exactly sure and I think it's subjective and maybe now it's getting harder and harder to do that because there's more to do from you know there's Netflix there's mm. you know the internet you can you can basically stay in your own house and be entertained so it's about also wanting to see live performance mm. because there's something special about it what do you think is special about live that would bring people out away, you know, from the various devices they could, you know? Just that it's unique. So no two nights will ever be the same. Um, you know, it's, it's social as well. There's, there's a social element there that you can't really encapsulate that's, yeah, mm. that you might not get if you're at your house. Mm. So the, the human element of, of live is what's really important in yeah. driving? Yeah, like my friend was talking to me about in the future they think it'll be possible for us to film a live performance and then through a hologram project that performance into people's houses so they can sit in their living room and actually watch 
the performer live sounds bizarre, <laughs> but probably not beyond, um, you know, rational, like what we can achieve. No. I think, especially in like 50 years, that, that might be normal. But I still think even if you could do that, there's still something about being live. So, you know, you see Bruce Springsteen in your living room because he's playing somewhere on the other side of the world and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. But if you were still there in person, I still think it would be better. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Because there's something about the immediacy of the live performance that you can't replicate. Mm. And the sharing of that experience yeah, with other and, people. And the storytelling. Mm. And on social media, you know, particularly, have you ever had any experience of any negativity, you know, and, and how do you cope with that? Which Obviously, is- it's difficult to keep everyone happy 100% of the time. And occasionally you'll have a show that isn't as good. But I, th- I still think people appreciate the fact that it's actually happening. So some people are just happy that these kinds of gigs exist. And I'm not sure if they're actually happening in other cities. Mm. So I'm just trying to, one, create a space that artists feel comfortable and that can express themselves artistically, but also audiences can come in and maybe be open to a genre that they hadn't seen before. So by putting on free comedy or free variety shows, um, people can come in and see a show and then maybe during Fringe, they'll pay to go see a comedian because they've then been opened up to this, this mm. genre. Mm. And how important do you think that is to the industry, having these free shows that people can sort of, you know, dip their toe in the water? Like, what sort of impact do you think that has? Well, I think, you know, whether it's a free show or a paid show is, is make, maybe negligible, but the fact that the gigs exist means stage time for the performers. So, and performers at the end of the day just want to perform. So that's what's important, getting experience, like I was saying before, and then hopefully evolving your craft and then producing your own show. Mm. One of the things that I'm very passionate around is storytelling and how storytelling can help motivate and inspire and, and drive action. Well, maybe you should perform in the variety show then, do some storytelling. Well, that's just put me on the spot, hasn't it? We have storytelling. So, so oh, no, go no, on. Go, put, no, no, no. So I'm just going to say different yeah. stuff. So in the variety show, we have um, music, comedy, magic, dance, poetry, storytelling. Mm. We even had Watermelon Man one time. So, you wow. know, yeah. Anyways, please ask your question. Wow, Watermelon Man? Yeah, I know. It's a Watermelon Man. <laughs> his, his name's Frank. Uh, yeah. He's based in Melbourne. And he basically, it's probably one of the most unique things I've ever seen. Yeah. He um, plays some tribal music, <laughs> um, paints himself up, gets, psychs himself into a zone, and then proceeds to smash a watermelon on his head. <laughs> I know what it sounds like. And it sounds yes, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's better, yeah. Yeah, all sorts of art forms. So then across all of, all of the art forms, do you think that storytelling plays a part? Essentially, that's what theatre is. It's storytelling. So you're, yeah, that's what the experience is. Comedy is a little bit different. It's sort of the experience mm. of just seeing a whole bunch of different comics mm. do their thing. And then you, I guess, as a person, injecting your subjectivity mm. on that and maybe creating your own story, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so then storytelling within theatre, what do you think? is, you know, why is it so impactful, you know, on that stage and in, in that sort of version? All right, we're getting pretty deep here. Yeah, um, good. I think in its essence, 
theatre is about, or it is about storytelling, it's also about us as humans trying to understand ourselves and hopefully trying to understand society. So good theatre will move us emotionally, but it'll also connect with us on like a different level in terms of meaning and maybe where society is and how we can change society. So for instance, Marathon is a play about two guys that go out for a run and discuss love and life and philosophize. But it's also about the journey of life and the journey that we all take. So, you know, it's two guys, you know, it might not seem that relatable, but if you see the play, you you see a bit of yourself in the characters because we're all searching, we're all on this journey. um, and, And, you know, I don't know if you know about the story about the myth of Marathon. Do you know the story? No. So ancient Greece, the, the Greeks were fighting the Persians and they, um, they defeated them in a sea battle. And then the general says to this guy, take a message to Athens, tell them we've won, tell them they're saved. And he runs 42.195 kilometers oh. from Marathon, which is a place in Greece, to Athens to deliver this message. And the story goes that apparently when he delivers the message, we won, and then he drops dead. So, <laughs> wow. so that's the story. Yeah. It's a myth because we don't know if it's 100% true. But then because of that great story, they invented the marathon race, mm. and um, it's still part of our, our culture in a way. And I think that just demonstrates the power of story. I mean, you know, like the New York Marathon is this massive event, yeah. etc. So linking to that, the characters in Marathon are preparing for the New York Marathon. Mm. It's an established play written in Italian, oh. translated into English. So I'm performing the play with a good friend of mine, Adam Cirillo, and he's Italian-Australian. Yep. And um, we're sort of trying to keep to its Italian roots, but as I mentioned before as well, my background's Greek and Marathon <laughs> is a Greek story, so it kind of connects with us both. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how important do you think that is in delivering a story is actually having a personal connection? Oh, you've got to be passionate about what you're doing, whether it's art, whether it's your job, whether it's something in everyday life. So if you enjoy doing it and if you're passionate about it, then that's 99% of it. So in conclusion, though, I like my guests to finish with their be the drop tip. Okay. Yeah. So I'd like to know what Ross's be the drop tip, and that is your top communication or your top connecting or, you know, that sort of in that area. Um, And the background of be the drop is that a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. So, you know, you just need that one drop to start and forge the path for others to connect to create that waterfall. So... What is Ross's be the drop tip? My be the drop tip is follow your passion, live your passion. Good. All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. It is our mission to help unlock the power of story through this podcast and the range of products and services that we offer. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. 
To get in touch with any specific comments, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. Until next time. Mm -hmm.